Hello and welcome to the Carolina Snowflakes podcast, where two Southerners come to terms with their liberal snowflake tendencies. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jason. And we're here with this week's episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. We're calling this one Nerdy Money. And because it's about money, I want to start off with a little disclaimer. I don't know shit about finances. (laughs) Or moving money or what you should be doing with your money as an investor. Um, But I do find it all very fascinating. And I think it's going to affect all of us in the way that we live our lives in the world. But if you want to know how to like save money and become rich, we aren't the people to tell you. We have no idea. No, definitely not. However, I did take a a finance class in college and i did take econ yeah so you're way ahead of me because i don't know jack shit the hardest c's i ever earned (laughs) yeah (laughs) i believe that it's very important how the financial markets work and how the stock market works like all that stuff affects the price of things and affects my life my understanding is it pretty much affects everything but i don't really know how yeah i don't either (laughs) and i don't know a lot about it and i certainly don't know what you should do if you have a bunch of money but i do have opinions and so we're here to share that yeah That's why we're here. Since there's been a lot going on recently in the media, in the news, that has to do with finance and tech. It's all sort of, if you've been paying attention the last two or three weeks, there's been a lot going on with the stock market and with tech companies. There's some antitrust suits happening. Uh There's um, GameStop and Robinhood. There's a lot of interesting things happening in the financial sector right now. Right. And I wanted to talk about some of them because... They're really important, and um, it really does matter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you're not a rich guy looking to speculate, or gal looking to (laughs) speculate, you do need to know what's happening in the world of financial markets and money. (laughs) At least from the, I guess, the very basics of understanding. Mm -hmm. Well, I I feel like the the future is here. Um, We money isn't the same as it used to be. Uh, Transactions have become so digital. That's true. That you know, a lot of the old ways of doing things have changed. No one writes a checkbook and keeps a ledger anymore, and at least not normally. <laughs> not normal people. Now, I will tell you that people do still write checks yeah. and keep checkbook ledgers, though it's certainly not the volume that it once was. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to stay that way. I think it's going to no, change. We're going to be moving yeah. to a digital sort of cashless society. I mean, it's yeah. already happening in China, mm-hmm. and I I don't think it's going to stop. Like, I think it's just going to continue. I mean, even the act of how we can swipe our cards now has changed to Mm -hmm. make it even easier and more convenient. Used to be you had to, I just had swipe because you had to swipe the card. Now you just stick it in the little thing. Now you stick it in. And well, now they have it where you just tap. Yeah. You tap your card on to the little Mm -hmm. reader thing. You don't even have to slide, swipe, nothing. Right. We're evolving to a world where we won't have a little plastic card. And if you think about it, that card doesn't really mean that much anyway. It's just Mm -hmm. math. Yeah. Uh, um, and the computers are just kind of taking that out of the equation. And I think that's going to it's gonna be something you need to know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll put it that way. So to get started, uh, a little fact for you. Today is February 20th when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, 2021. February 8th, 2021, Tesla bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. Wow. For their treasury. Yeah, um, that happened. <laughs> it made some news. Some people talked about it, but you may have missed it if you're not a tech nerd like me. Mm-hmm. But that matters because they're setting a standard, a, a precedent. I think there's going to be more companies doing that, converting part of their treasury into Bitcoin. 
And Tesla also plans on accepting Bitcoin as payment in the near future. So you'll be able to buy a car with Bitcoin. That's super interesting. Tesla. Yeah, that's actually happening right now. That's why we're talking about this, I think, or why I wanted to talk about it, because it's it's actually relevant in the current situation that we're in. I mean, that's a big hunk of money, $1.5 billion. So businesses are bringing in the use of Bitcoin for transactions? Yeah. Well, for them, it's an investment. It's a speculation. Oh, I It's see. a way to diversify their treasury. So okay. as a company, you want to have a certain treasury. And I think Elon being the crazy guy that he is, is like, I don't want it all in stocks or whatever. Mm-hmm. He wanted to kind of diversify his company's holdings. And so they, they took that much money and bought Bitcoin with it. Okay. I think it also, he has a stance on wanting to help the Bitcoin market in general and keep it valid. And I also believe other companies are going to do it too. There's been whispers that Jack Dorsey over at Twitter has a similar idea. I wouldn't be surprised if you heard Twitter doing it. I mean, for them, the reason is because I don't know what else Twitter has to do. I mean, they have no way to make money. Mm. Twitter is really in a hole right now <laughs> and they need something. And I, I feel like that would be something they could do. They also are looking into news. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear news about uh, Twitter looking to buy a news company because I mean, how else does Twitter make money just with their ads? Advertising. That's not enough. So I don't know. That's just something to keep an eye on is why we're talking about this. And it re- gave me an introduction into Bitcoin as a whole, because I-, I-, I think to understand why Tesla would do that, why Elon would spend that much money on Bitcoin, you should understand a little bit about what Bitcoin is. I think that sounds like a good idea. I know for me personally, the first time someone told me about Bitcoin, which was like years ago, mm-hmm. I immediately dismissed them as a nut. Yeah. You know, it was yep. like, okay, just stop talking out of your ass. So did everyone. Anyway, mm-hmm. moving along. <laughs> well, that was back when it was worth like 40 cents or, uh-huh. you know, $40. Well, I, another thing that's been in the news recently, it just passed $50,000 mm-hmm. for one Bitcoin. Wow. Yeah. I remember very specifically thinking about buying it when it was 200 and being like, I should buy a couple of them mm-hmm. when it was $200. And a lot of people were trying to tell me and I didn't do it. And I, let me tell you, I regret that now. Because if I would have did that then. <sighs> the only thing I regret is just not listening yeah (laughs) i'm being like sure thing dude whatever you say Uh uh-huh moving along (laughs) well those same people that were saying that then are telling me now that it's it's at fifty thousand and that it's going to go to a hundred oh okay so i mean i don't know take that for what it's worth i'm not telling you that it is i'm saying that the same people that i didn't believe before a few times i didn't believe them (laughs) they're they're now saying like it's gonna keep going so i don't know take that for what it is I find it very interesting that Bitcoin is something that people didn't take seriously because it was so obscure. It's so random. If you look into the history of it, it's even crazier. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even wrap my brain around the concept of Mm -hmm. like money that's not real. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Well, to give you a a little, I'll give a little crash course to everybody on the history of Bitcoin real quick. It's pretty simple. Um, So it was created in 2008 by a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, now the name Satoshi Nakamoto is a pseudonym. No one knows who that person actually is. Oh, so it was published under that name, but that's not a real person's name. Hmm. Um, Satoshi is a, uh, a person or persons. It may have been multiple people who developed the code for Bitcoin. They authored the Bitcoin white paper and they deployed its, uh, reference ep- implementation. The, there's a lot of big words in there. So I was going to kind of break that down. Um, 
the development of Bitcoin was they're writing the software for yeah. how it works. Mm-hmm. A white paper, if you're not familiar, is a research paper that's usually put out by a group to convince a person to solve a problem, to explain its philosophies on something. Mm-hmm. That's usually what a white paper is. There, uh, It's just another word for research paper, fancy research paper. It is. Um, now, Satoshi Nakamoto put one out in 2008 called Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronics cash system. Mm-hmm. And that has since become one of the most famous white papers ever put out um, because it laid out all the groundwork for how he thought this whole thing was going to work. Um, another thing I said that he did was reference implementation. That's a big fancy word for a software development process that basically means it's open source. Mm-hmm. To give you a, a condensed version, it means that everyone can see the code of how all of it works and that they can then test to make sure the system would all work the way that it's supposed to because everyone can see it. So it's a big point point of Bitcoin is that it was published by someone anonymously, but you can view all the code. Everyone can see how it works. So like there's everyone, no cheats. It's like it's like your checkbook ledger, mm-hmm. right? Like if but instead of you keeping your checkbook private and in your pocketbook, the checkbook is open uh-huh. to everyone who's exactly. using Bitcoin. They can see Exactly. The transactions or at least the mm-hmm. the ins and outs. To, um, to give you an idea of like how that would compare, maybe if you've heard of Linux before, Linux is a operating system that you can use on your computer instead mm-hmm. of Windows or whatever Microsoft or whatever Apple's using. Um, you can use one called Linux that's open source, that's free. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's Microsoft, which you can't see the code of Microsoft. It's called the kernel, the inside of the code. Mm-hmm. No one can see it. No one knows how it works. They're both functional, but you'll meet people that like Linux a lot better because it's open and everyone can see and there's no secrets. Everyone I've ever known that prefers Linux over other operating systems has been a massive nerd. Yeah, you got to kind of be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're calling this episode Nerdy Money. This is Nerdy all, Money. This is all people who are very, very nerdy, but they're also very, very smart. Mm-hmm. And some are very, very rich now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's that's where this is all going. These people are all multi, multi-million and billionaires. Uh-huh. Nakamoto devised the first like blockchain database ever. That's kind of what we were talking about with the ledgers. Um, and blockchain is kind of complicated, but I'm going to simplify it. It's a way to keep a record list. Mm-hmm. And if you have, say, with, with Bitcoin, you have a lot of transactions happening and you need to keep track of that. What they do is they put it in these things called blocks. And each transaction has its own block. In each block, there's a shitload of, of math, like a crazy <laughs> amount of math. Uh-huh. And each each transactional block has a code in it that references all the previous blocks. So that way, there's no way to change it. Mm-hmm. If you were to go in and try to edit one of the transactions, it wouldn't line up with all of the previous ones. So the math is continually moving forward. That's part of why it's called a blockchain. It's a chain that never ends. Oh, I see. Okay. So that way no one can tamper with it. It can you can always prove because it since it contains all the past math that everything lines up. And if one number was off, it would all be off, mm. which is pretty neat. That's the simple way to explain blockchain. It's like a previously it's like a continuous system that it's never like ends. One giant math problem mm-hmm. that never ends. And so each block has like a, a a cryptographic hash is what it's called of the previous block. It has a timestamp and it has a transaction data. So because it's referencing each one before it, yeah, they're all linked. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that prevents any modification of the data because one bit being off would change the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So everyone knows that you can't scam it as essentially why it's so important 
And that technology is being used in actual banking nowadays. People are using blockchain in Wells Fargo and BB&T. You know what I mean? Like That's interesting. So it actually, the the idea or the infrastructure was created for Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but now it's actually being utilized in... Regular currency, yes. You know, Wells Fargo mm-hmm. or, or whatever. A lot of big data companies are using that same idea because... The fact that the data can never be manipulated is very valuable. That's interesting. If you can have a system where the data can never be changed, that by itself is worth a lot. And this guy, this Sasashi Nakamoto, invented it. Neat. But no one knows who he is. Wow. Yeah. So that's sort of the like brief history of how Bitcoin became a thing. And then he basically started hyping it up on the internet and saying, like, this really does work. And people way smarter than us, looked into it and were like, holy shit, it works. Yeah. And so people started trading it. And that is like the real brief crash course history of Bitcoin. That's how it works. That's not everything about Bitcoin, obviously. Yeah, no, I definitely know there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, like specifically to transactions. Yes. And how everything has a passcode mm-hmm. um and, and you can't forget it yeah because <laughs> if you forget it then you lose your bitcoin mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that gets into the like practical aspects of of bitcoin and like how it actually functions yeah, right which, which i was gonna um i want to get to that but uh, before i get to that i want to explain one more important thing about bitcoin and that's that uh how it's mined and what bitcoin mining is because so you get that there's a system that they can trade there's only 21 million Bitcoins ever. There's never going to be any more or less than that. Okay. They haven't all been mined yet. And the way mining works, it works just like you would think the way you would mine for ore. So basically, as I explained in the blockchain technology, you have these complicated math problems to solve to to make sure each block is, is secure. And... Those math problems require guesswork. There's no way for the computer to actually work it backwards. It has to say, well, if this number's one, what answer do we get? Okay, throw that out. It's not the right one. If this number's two, you see what I'm saying? It has to procedurally go through all the options, which takes a shitload of computing power. Okay. And the way the system works to incentivize people to be on the system, to put their computers in there to to work on this math, is that if your computer is the first one to solve whatever block that it's working on, then you get a free Bitcoin. It mines a Bitcoin. One that didn't exist now exists and it's given to you. Oh. That's the incentive for all these people to put all their computer power into this network of math to make it work. It's because you have the chance of your computer being the one that solves the algorithm first Mm -hmm. and therefore are rewarded with the Bitcoin. And then all the other computers check it, say, yep, it checked out. Then we move on to the next one. And that's part of that whole open source Mm -hmm. Um, concept where people have their computers literally all connected to this big processor Mm -hmm. math calculator exactly and if you get lucky and yours is the one that adds the the computations in that actually solves it Uh because there's so much guesswork Uh then you win question it's it's like mining is there like a a ding sound (laughs) if you you mine a bitcoin no everyone sees it everyone sees it in the world and goes holy shit okay that one's done you know it's now time to move to the next one oh okay and they had it set up (laughs) where a block is supposed to be solved every 10 minutes but they don't reward whole bitcoins so it's kind of it's gotten complicated but essentially every 10 minutes or so a block is solved and then all the computers in the world move on to the next one that's so interesting Mm -hmm, i know and we're all doing it at the same time neat yeah, and it's a peer-to-peer system. So it's basically, if you remember Napster or LimeWire or any of those oh, old... Oh, yes. It's oh, basically yes. like that. You're connecting to a bunch of other computers. It's the same 
idea. Okay. And you're all put into this one giant supercomputer. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is they measure it in amounts of computing power that's like PLFPS. It's hard to... I don't even know what's PFLOPs. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> PFLOPs. But essentially, the the amount that's being used to Bitcoin mine is like 50 times the amount of computing power that's used for anything else My in the goodness. world right now. So wow. most of what our computing power in the world is doing right now is that. That's so interesting. I know. Isn't that crazy? We have like nuclear power plants, uh-huh. like, but but... Bitcoin's taking up more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because there's money in it. That's the interesting thing. Okay, like, yeah. If you can make money, people are willing to sink a lot more, which uh-huh. is fascinating to think about. Right. Uh, it's. I read a comparison that was very interesting. It said, think about oil wells, right? Like the amount of money that we spent building oil wells was like 50 times the amount of money that we spent building roads or cars. So it's like we're willing to spend way more money to get free money than we are to actually solve problems because that's the way the world works. Well, yeah, I mean, that's us. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But that's a good comparison if you think about how much energy and effort and engineering we put into building oil wells to drill versus Mm -hmm. we could have spent that energy figuring out a way to make cars that don't run on oil. Mm -hmm. We would have already been there. Right. So it's a very similar problem, and that's part of why they use the word mining. It's very similar to the process of mining for oil or mining for ore, and that it has major flaws in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought that was something interesting to throw out there. It is. Last, I have some like Bitcoin facts, some just random facts about Bitcoin in case you didn't, things you might not know. So in 2017, the University of Cambridge did uh, found that about 2.9 to 5.8 million people used Bitcoin wallets. Wow. Well, that's a pretty big gap, <laughs> three to almost six. So somewhere between three to six million people worldwide in 2017 had Bitcoin wallets. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good chunk of people. I mean, there was a lot of it going on. Um, and if you want, if you wanted to spend Bitcoin, uh, one of the ways you can do it, Overstock.com accepts Bitcoin. So you can buy anything from Overstock with Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, there's a... So e- like if I go to check out on Overstock, is there a Bitcoin yes, option? Yes, there is. There's a Bitcoin option. I'm going to have to go check that out. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to egifter.com or gift, it was spelled G-Y-F-T, both of those are um, gift card websites that accept Bitcoin. And you can use that Bitcoin to spend on, say, Amazon, Walmart, or Best Buy. Oh. Right. Currently, Amazon, Walmart, and Best Buy won't let you spend Bitcoin, but you can spend it at these places and buy gift cards. Get a gift card that, that you work. can spend at the store. Mm-hmm. So you can, through a workaround, buy, spend your Bitcoin at Amazon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Expedia.com and CheapAir.com have been accepting Bitcoin for years. So you can book a flight. Really? Yep. Microsoft accepts Bitcoin for almost everything. Since 2012, they've been accepting it for Xbox Live. You can buy Xbox games with Bitcoin. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. There's a Minecraft server that uses Bitcoin as its in-game currency. So you can huh. buy and sell and trade Minecraft items to people with your Bitcoin. Hmm. Yeah. There's a coffee shop in Prague that only accepts Bitcoin. So if you're ever in the Czech Republic in oh, Prague no. and you don't have Bitcoin, you can't get coffee. Oh, no. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> wow. Okay. There's a national Bitcoin pizza day that is first purchase of Bitcoin was made on May 22nd, 2010, when a programmer in Florida traded 10,000 Bitcoin for two Papa John's pizzas. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They were worth about 41 cents a piece at the time, uh-huh. and now they're worth 50,000. Wow. Dollars. So, yeah, it's, it's, but yeah, so May 22nd is international or like national 
Pizza Bitcoin Day. Neat. Yeah, and some pizza shops offer uh, pizzas in the shape of the Bitcoin money thing with the B with the lines through it. Mm-hmm. Pretty funny. Uh, Bitcoin can be divided up, so you don't need a whole coin. So you would think right now, if they're $50,000, I couldn't buy one. Right. You can buy them in smaller amounts. Like fractions. And the smallest amount is called a Satoshi Byte, named after Satoshi Nakamoto, the guy who invented it, supposedly. And a Satoshi Byte is point zero 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 one bitcoins that's a satoshi bite i could probably afford one of those (laughs) (laughs) maybe yeah um two years ago united states law declared that you have to declare bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as a capital asset so if you don't claim your bitcoin on your taxes they can get you for that (laughs) just that's new too wow Mm mm-hmm and uh, there's about 16 million Bitcoin in circulation right now, and there's only ever going to be 21 million. Mm-hmm. So we're nearing that point where the scarcity is going to catch up. And that's why all the speculations say the prices is going to do nothing but go up mm-hmm. because there's nowhere else for it to go. We're at 16 out of 21. There's only so many years left before we're going to hit. There's no more Bitcoin to be mined. And then I don't know where we're at. It's a matter of supply and demand. Yeah. And there's some criticism of Bitcoin. And that's kind of one of the last things I wanted to talk about is like the negativity around Bitcoin. So it can be used in illegal transactions. Um, I've talked about that before in the dark web episode. Our dark web episode, we you mentioned like mm-hmm. Bitcoin is generally the preferred it is. Uh, method of payment for like... Anything illicit. Drugs or whatever yeah. illegal things are happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of websites gives you discounts for paying in Bitcoins, shady websites. So okay. if you wanted... Shady, shady websites. Yeah, if you wanted to order something that's like legal, but technically, you know what I mean? It's a little on the fringe, questionable. They'll usually give you a discount for paying with Bitcoin and sometimes like a free shirt or something. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, <laughs> okay. Another criticism is Bitcoin uses a large amounts of electricity to, to mine. Um, right. There are these things called Bitcoin mines that are just computers that are only doing that. And they're in huge facilities. And you can walk down and just see racks and racks of servers that are doing nothing but spending electricity trying to mine Bitcoin. From what I've read, it's around $7,000 where you start to break even. So um, depending on what country you're in and blah, 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 there's a lot of factors in. But on average... You have to spend $7,000 worth of power a month to break even on how much Bitcoin you're actually able to mine. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No? Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? Um, And then another problem with Bitcoin is the price is volatile. It moves pretty pretty fast. Mm -hmm. Um, There have been Bitcoin thefts from exchanges. So people have set up exchanges where you can pay Bitcoin for real money or exchange Mm -hmm. it for other things. And if you've ever heard of like um, scams where they call them like last minute scams or uh, exit scams, it's when a company is feeling like it's fallen and then somebody takes all the money out of the treasury and shuts everything down. And that's usually called an exit scam. So mm-hmm. people have set up like escrow accounts and had people buying and selling drugs on their website. And then when they the feds put on pressure and they think their site's going to get shut down, they take all the escrow out of the account and dip. And everyone who had money in there is now screwed. Mm. Um, that can happen with Bitcoin exchanges too. So people have set up Bitcoin exchanges. The feds put pressure on them because they're moving around money without paying taxes. And they just take all the Bitcoin in the escrow and leave. And that's a theft. That's oh. a problem. Huh. A way I to solve that would be that. to set up like institutional exchanges. But we don't have that yet. Right. Like if it was a, a real bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem is they've been, they've been set up by 
just random people. And as an interesting thing is the original Bitcoin exchange that was the most popular was called Mt. Gox, M-T-G-O-X. And it's the hilarious story behind that is uh, it sounds like a name that was named after a mountain or something, but it was actually originally a Magic the Gathering online exchange, M-T-G-O-X. And the guy who owned the Magic the Gathering online trading, he'd set up this infrastructure to trade Magic cards online for money. And somebody was like, you know, we could take all the Magic cards out of it and set it up to trade Bitcoin and call it Mt. Gox. Uh And that's what they did. And so the name Mt. Gox came from that, Magic the Gathering online exchange, which is a fact a lot of people don't know. Which eventually had nothing to do with... Magic at all. It was only a Bitcoin exchange. (laughs) And then... The exit scam happened with that one. The feds put on pressure. They were moving too much money without paying taxes internationally. So the feds put pressure on Mt. Gox. Whoever it was that was running it took all the escrow out of the account and left. Wow. Several several million dollars worth of Bitcoin just kind of, he just sort of took just it. Just wandered off. Yeah. So that's, a, that's another thing. And then uh, some experts accuse Bitcoin of being a speculative bubble, which maybe it is. We'll see. Mm. Um, so that's what I got on, on like just Bitcoin in general. I'm sure you have tons more questions. Um, it's fascinating. But it's it's in the news. It's important. And I don't... I All I foresee in the future is it increasing. I think you'll be able to buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. I think you'll be able to buy stuff with Bitcoin. And the thing that's interesting is there's other cryptocurrencies. There's one called Ethereum mm-hmm. that's pretty popular. It was a Kickstarter-based one that launched a few years ago. Ethereum restricts itself differently than Bitcoin. They are com- a community... So they only fold in places that are related to the uh, original Kickstarter as places where you can uh, spend the money. Okay. So it's very much more, it's not about international trading. It's very much more about like a, a, a grassroots movement of people who want to use digital currency and want it to be a way that you can uh, contribute to local organizations. So they very much, like you can't get in to, like uh, Tesla can't, use ethereum because it's supposed to be only for little stores so here's a very basic question for you about Mm -hmm. bitcoin what is the benefit of using bitcoin over just regular cash there's a bunch of them the first is speed so let's say i was in saudi arabia and some shit has gone down and they want to chop for starters i'd be like why are you in saudi arabia (laughs) and some shit has gone down and they want to chop off my hands okay what did you do yeah and i need money Mm mm-hmm to, to get out of that situation, for you to send me money in Saudi Arabia via Western Union, which would be the fastest way, mm-hmm. would still take hours. Yeah. For you to transfer it via a bank would take days. For you to do it on Bitcoin would take about 30 seconds. <laughs> that's okay. why. So that's one of the biggest answers right there. And the expense. So the amount of money it would cost you to send me a million dollars in Saudi Arabia would be gigantic Sure, if yeah. you used Western Union fees, or, yeah. or a bank. If you used Bitcoin, it would cost you less than a dollar. Oh, okay. So that's two big massive advantages right there is that it's way cheaper and faster than moving money any other way that we have conventionally. Another way is that it's not tr- traceable. So like, let's say you were somebody who wanted to buy something that uh, <laughs> you didn't want. Like, let's say you're a famous person. And you didn't want everybody to know that you just spent $60 million on one car. Right? <laughs> okay. Because the paparazzi is going to show up. It's just not going to look great. If you buy it with Bitcoin, nobody's going to know. Okay. So there's this like advantage of anonymity that's... Perhaps if Ted Cruz had booked his flight to Cancun go. using Bitcoin, he wouldn't have been busted. He wouldn't have. In fact... That's actually a very good point. Ted Cruz had been smart enough to go to Expedia and use Bitcoin. This might not have happened. Right. 
So that's another advantage. And then another advantage is the fact that you can make free money. I mean, just that if you got in at the beginning, you're rich. There are people who, mm, yeah, like I said, that guy that traded 10,000 Bitcoins for a, pizza, for a pizza, whoever he gave that to, if they held on to it, that's billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin now. That's nuts. So the other advantage is the amount of free money you could have made if you got in at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Another advantage to Bitcoin is that because it can't be edited, so you can't be hacked. Like, there's a 0% chance that your Bitcoin's going to get hacked. So as Meaning it, hacked and stolen? And stolen. Okay. So, so your Wells Fargo account, there's probably a 0.00001% chance that that thing will get hacked and somebody will steal all your money, but it's sure, there. Right. In Bitcoin, it's zero. There's just no way it's ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a 64-digit code for your wallet and then a 64-digit password. That f- that factors into the quadrillions of possible solutions where there's no way it's right. ever going to happen. A, a human person is not going to be able to figure out your code mm-hmm. and your password. And also, as a benefit for an investment, it works well because you don't have to do anything with it. So you could just take your Bitcoin and put it in a bank and just let it sit there and then take it out 20 years later. And it will have increased in value. You didn't have to do anything, like much like a bond. You, hopefully, you had some retirement. <laughs> yeah, much like a bond, right? Right. Okay. Interesting. So it has those advantages, and then it also has the advantage of being like global. So, um, right, you any can use it. You don't have to do the conversions. No conversions. Right. That right. that part's neat. So yeah, the price of things are in Bitcoin, not dollars. So mm-hmm. it it has that advantage as well. And I I mean there are some other ones, but those are the main reasons why people people use it and so that's all the uh sort of interesting stuff i have prepared about bitcoin but i I do want to talk about a couple of other financial nerdy money related things uh there's the big one gme or GameStop stock you may have heard about this i think i've talked about on the show well i mean it made it took the internet by storm yeah it was huge all the memes and Mm -hmm. the conversations about the underdogs taking down the big dogs Mm -hmm. on wall street with the game stock i checked GameStop stock yeah i checked gme stock uh monday it was at 50 and friday it was at 40 Mm -hmm. so it's still going down but it's still over where where it started which was at like 30 Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's not great yeah (laughs) well Um, one of the people I thought you would like this, one of the main Redditors that's a big guy of this is Roaring Kitty is his nickname. (laughs) Mm. Roaring Kitty. He's still doubling down. He's still saying like, hold the line. And I've heard, (laughs) I've heard a lot of people say this and I feel like it's true. As soon as you hear billionaires and stuff saying like, hold the line, Uh you're about to get a spear in the chest. (laughs) That's what that means. (laughs) So I would be worried right now if I invested that heavily in GameStop. I'm glad I didn't. As I said at the beginning of this episode, I didn't, I don't invest in anything. Yeah. This is all just intellectual to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel bad for some of those people who bought in at, say, 70, and now mm-hmm. it's at 40, and there's no way it's going back up to 70, so you're right. fucked. They lost. Yeah. Yeah, you lost. Um, and, uh, you know, it's bad. Um, a lot of the Redditors are kind of backing down. Ah. It's just a cluster. It's just a bad, bad situation. I don't like the way Congress has handled it either, trying to blame the them as if it was their fault. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault. It was. I mean, Robin Hood has something to do with it, but a big part of it was these these short sellers who the people who can go on television and tell you they're short selling a sock, and then when you react to it, all of a sudden you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what blows my mind is that all these hedge fund guys are have been for years going on television. Well, I think the redditors just. They used the system to their advantage. I don't mm-hmm. think they necessarily did anything, quote, like 
illegal. No, it wasn't illegal. Or wrong. It didn't work They just out. found a loophole. <laughs> yeah. And they ran with it, uh-huh. and that's what happened. And there's a lot wrong with Robinhood uh, because they let you trade for free on there, and that was a big part of the problem. They didn't have enough capital to cover the trades that were happening, so they had to throttle down mm-hmm. sales on GME stock, which didn't help the situation at no, all. It just because made people mad because uh-huh. they thought that Robinhood, I guess, was you know in, cahoot, in cahoots with the with, with the, congress with yeah with congress and the short sellers and they weren't they just couldn't cover the they margin they literally didn't have the, yeah. the cash to cover the, the capital to cover it <laughs> because they were trading so much of it right and they allow free speculative trades on robin hood so mm-hmm. i don't know that might be bad they've been kind of gamifying that the could whole be thing. and in a way that this whole thing may very well turn into where these loopholes are closed i think they might need to be and they find you know Things like that, the Robin yeah. Hood app and the free. Yeah. Like they may decide like that's not a thing that we really should allow just Mm-mm. for the safety of yeah. others and their well-being. It's called trading on margins and it's where you're basically trading on money you don't have or haven't put in. Somebody has to put up the capital. Mm-hmm. In this case, it was Robin Hood doing it. And to them, it was worth it because they were making money off of the volume of trades. But right. that is a risky... Oh, man, I just don't like the way that's set up at all. Mm-hmm. It seems like a house of cards. And I think mm-hmm. it's probably fallen. That's probably what we're watching. Another big thing in the news has been Facebook. They're battling with Australia. So, like, Crocodile Dundee <laughs> and Mark like, Zuckerberg... That's not a knife. Yeah. That's a knife. ...are just going at it right now. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. If you've been paying yeah, attention, picture, you've seen... I'm just picturing Zuckerberg... Yeah. Duking it out with the whole country of Australia. There's a video of him being interviewed like uh, by the whoever parliament or whatever in Australia. And he's like on TV looking all like an alien and pale and sick. And, so looking like himself. Yeah, and gross. <laughs> and he's trying to argue with Australians about uh, it's terrible. And the, in case you haven't heard, the, 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 the gist of the story is that Facebook steals the news. They, they take the news from all the different news sources and put it on their Facebook app. On their their own platform. On their platform and then sell ads to people while they're viewing the news that they didn't write. Yes. And Australia is kind of like, dude, we put money into our news and it's very good and we don't like you just stealing it and then putting ads on it. Yeah, so you're making doubly the money Mm -hmm. from our labor. Yeah, they're basically Facebook is crawling these news sites and retaking the words and putting them on their own website. Oh, yeah. And putting it up as news, using the credibility of those news services yes, to sell advertising. Yeah, I've seen it on my own app on my phone. It's dirty. And, mm-hmm. and Australia has gotten pissed off about it, and they've been fighting. So guess what Facebook just did? Huh. They banned news in Australia. There is no Facebook news I in Australia. I saw that. One of my friends. It's just gone. One of my Aussie friends yeah. posted a thing about they're no longer getting their news. The news is gone. On Facebook. Yeah. Just, that, just gone. Because, yeah, because that's Facebook trying to say, hey, Australia, see how screwed you are without us. But I don't know if that's going to work or not. I don't know. The Australian government might turn Facebook off altogether. Like, that's what they're taunting them to do. True. Yeah. I don't know if that would go over very well. I don't either. a lot of Australian people who use Facebook. I don't either. But you mentioned this earlier, and I think you were right. I think Google has to be keeping an eye on this because Google is also in the business of taking news reformatting oh, it yeah. and selling it to people with advertising. Oh, yeah. Google does it all the time. So I'm wondering if Google's going to be the next person next to take target. a hit on this. Yeah. And I think that it needs to be something that, that gets done because I don't like the idea that social media companies are able to essentially take literally word for word the news 
from legitimate news sources and then attribute the news but not pay them any money and then put ads in the middle of it. That just sounds so bad. They're keeping people from actually visiting those news websites mm-hmm. which are dependent upon those visits to right. generate ad revenue. Yeah. Google is uh, the worst Yeah. apart from Facebook for yeah. doing that. You go to Google and you type in yep. weather and Google will pull yeah. your local weather from weather.com uh-huh. and put it at the top of the Google page right. Next showing to you everything mm-hmm. without you actually having to go to weather.com. Exactly. And it does that for all kinds of news and yep. articles. Think about it. Like and it I had to like actually think about oh it does do that. Yep. Where I'll Google a thing and the story will be at the top of Google mm-hmm. rather than taking me to a website with the story. And that way, that website never gets any clicks, views, mm-hmm. and can't sell you any ads, and exactly. therefore can't make any money. And Google, right. on the other hand, has just pirated all that stuff. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, it's piracy. Yeah, they took all the information, put it at the top of their page, put an ad next to it, and now they're benefiting. Uh-huh. Dirty. Dirty, dirty, nerdy money. <laughs> uh-huh. One more thing, speaking of piracy, on the topic of dirty, nerdy money... I don't know if very many people are aware. We use this service, so I mean, Spotify is good or whatever. But <laughs> they have. There's a big hole in Spotify. I've been learning a lot about. There are these things called phone farms, as I much earlier talked about a Bitcoin mine. There's for Spotify. There are people that get hundreds of cell phones and put them on a wall, and they hook them up to chargers, mm-hmm. and they put apps on them that will go into Spotify and listen to the first thirty seconds of a song and then restart it. Mm-hmm. And Spotify has said that the first 30 seconds is that's what counts as a listen. Oh, I see. So you don't have to listen to more than so 30 like seconds. So like manufacturing fake listens. And they're doing that to the point because the as an artist on Spotify you get paid for your music per so, listen. So if I'm a person, right? yes, per per download. Right, okay. And for it's like for every 1000 downloads you get x amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a person who wants to be an artist, I could make music put it on there, and then run one of those phone farms, and that would actually pay me more than the electricity and the phone bills, hmm. which is really crazy, but people have figured that out. And so there are YouTube videos instructing you on how to, even if you don't know how to make music, put something on, it, it doesn't have to be music, it can be spoken word or whatever. It could be- You put anything. Anything, it could be almost Blake sound. Upload onto Spotify. And, and to make that make money for you. And then how to create your own cell phone farm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then make that make more money for you than it cost you on the cell phone. So you net profit. Well, how is that Spotify's doing? How is that their Because the organization that Spotify uses to pay its uh, artists is so whack. So what Spotify does is they take all the money. So all the advertising money, which is most of their money, Mm -hmm. and then all the money from subscribers to Spotify, the Mm -hmm. people that pay, they take all that and they put it into a pool. And they cut out 30% and they say, this 30% is for us. <laughs> this, <laughs> Listen, this we're ours. just going to need to keep that. Yeah. So now you're talking 70% is left of the money. For that 70%, this is crazy. 98% of it goes to the top like 10 artists. So right off the bat, you have 98% of the already cut down money only going to like Justin Bieber and Britney Spears and not going anywhere else. Mm-hmm. All of their stats are inflated. So Justin Bieber actually encouraged his fans to only listen to 30 seconds of the song and then start it over. And they did that to the point where it like broke Spotify and he had 50 billion views and that got him the most money anybody's ever got. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he just openly did it. 
Wow. And did he ever get in trouble for that? No. He's oh. Justin Bieber. He can do what he wants. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. He never got in any trouble at all. Right. He's not gonna carry on. Now, there's since been revealed that there are fake artists on Spotify that aren't even real. So people, presumably, there's no proof. No one knows for sure that if it was Spotify doing this. But they think Spotify is literally making fake artists and then using like a, they're outsourcing it to an algorithm Mm -hmm. to create piano music. (laughs) And then put up these details of a fake artist. Or it might be one of the programmers who worked on the algorithm or whatever. Uh-huh. And saying, like, this is the artist that created this. And then inflating it with listens to the point where they're getting paid. And Spotify's taking a cut of that. Or it could be the CEO's yes. 11-year-old daughter could and her be. piano lessons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that somehow has 50 million views, even though she's not a real person. No one knows who she is. So no, not one song's ever been played on the radio. Wow. But she has way more. So, like, that's all Spotify's fault. They know this stuff is happening. They just don't care. Huh. They just because either way they're getting their cut exactly from the ad. As I explained at the beginning, to them it's all one big pool, and they take thirty. What do they give a shit where the rest of it goes? Oh wow! Even if it's completely screwing over people and wasting money and energy and everything else. Oh, it's dirty. And to think about it in these ways, in this terms too, when you steal, when you do that, when you pirate an album, you're really only stealing from like one artist. But when you inflate your listens on Spotify, you're simultaneously stealing from every struggling artist in the entire world. All at one time, mm-hmm. which is an extra form of evil. Wow, yeah. If you really think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Dirty. Dirty. So that's some dirty, nerdy money. Yeah. And then uh, there's a guy who had a, <laughs> you may have seen this article, he had a uh, 99 cell phones in a wagon, and he was dragging it down the road creating traffic jams on Google Maps, oh. which I think is hilarious. No, I didn't know about that. Yeah, you can do that. If you can set up enough phones and put them all on Google... Google will see a hundred phones stopped in one spot and assume there's a traffic jam there. Oh. And so there was a guy walking around LA <laughs> with a wagon full of cell phones just creating fake traffic jams. Oh my goodness. Uh-huh. That's um, funny. It's funny and it also caused problems. You I'm know. sure it did because Google and the Jeepus are going to try to reroute you to avoid those exactly. tra- traffic jams, I've, quote unquote. I've heard people using that to clear their ways to get somewhere. I doubt that's really what's happening. I think it's more of a like a art thing. It's showing them the flaws. It's like a hacker thing. We're showing mm-hmm. you the problem with your system. Right. You need to fix this because because telling the company that it's a potential problem never moves anything. You actually have to do it. You have to cause that problem. If there's anything I've learned about hacking and computers, it's that you actually have to do it. You can't just say this is a problem. No one will listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like what happened in Texas. With the weather. You could say there were people screaming it from the rooftops. They were warned in we need 2011. Plows. We these 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 things are not weatherized. And no one listened. And then the weather came and created a catastrophe. And now they're gonna listen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the same problem. Like this guy's just doing what you have to do to get Google to move or any other tech company to move. Mm-hmm. You have to actually create the problem. Um, and that's why I applaud Australia for making Facebook have to think about this. At least they're thinking about it. True. I don't know they're going to get any better, but at least they're thinking about it. True. And so, you know, that's this week's episode. That's what I have. It's a lot of ranting about tech and nerdy stuff. <laughs> and money. Was it? it wasn't ranting. It was just interesting. Yeah, it was information, information that I have about tech and money and everything interesting happening this week. I saw it all as kind of linked. I didn't have a way to thread the needle on this episode and say, like, here's the thing that links it all. But I feel like all these topics I've talked about are related. They're all tech related. Mm-hmm. And they're all money related. Mm-hmm. Capitalism. Uh-huh. Tech and capitalism colliding. Yeah. And I haven't exactly found the exact through line. I don't know where it's going to end, but I certainly find it interesting. I'm on this ride with you guys. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be an exciting thing to see. And if you're taking my advice, don't invest your money in anything. Like put it under the mattress. <laughs> I, I, Bury it in the backyard. I have no idea. This whole thing is scary. <laughs> but if you would have bought Bitcoin before, I'd be saying you're smart as hell. Yeah. And I regret not doing it myself. So take that for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd buy it at 50000 because... <laughs> well, you don't have 50000 Yeah, I know. But I'm saying I could buy a Satoshi bite. I could buy point zero 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 one of it. <laughs> But even then, I don't know. It would, all it would do was double, right? Like, so if you spend a hundred dollars on it now, if it took five years to get to a hundred thousand or whatever, then all you would have is two hundred dollars. Yes. So it wouldn't really be worth <laughs> it at this point. Um, but there are kids. I mean, one of the kids that I saw was a guy who invested in it in the beginning. He was from Amherst, uh, Massachusetts, and he uh, he's a multi billionaire now. Like he has billions of dollars mm-hmm. from Bitcoin. So you know, There's and he's like twenty seven. It's like, okay. All right. Well, there you go. He took a nerdy leap of faith and it worked out. Yeah. So I wish we were those people. We're not. No. Maybe if you're out there and you're We still have day jobs. Yeah. (laughs) But I hope this was entertaining. I hope you guys liked it. I hope this had uh, met all your needs about Bitcoin. If you have any questions about Bitcoin, I'd be happy to answer them. You can find me talking about this and other interesting topics on our website. CarolinaSnowflakes.com You can also find Amanda talking about interesting things and probably more interesting things on our (laughs) Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Carolina Snowflakes. And you can write me an email about how I was wrong and how you have a billion dollars from Bitcoin and I'm stupid. (laughs) CarolinaSnowflakes at gmail.com Gmail.com Thanks for listening. Bye.